got at him. Got at him. The homies got at him. But were you there? I wasn't there then, but I was there in court at the courthouse. When we were going to court. And, okay, uh, so so from my understanding, I was gonna fuck him up in the courthouse. <laughs> okay, wait. So so I understand that he he ran up on him and like well punched one of them in the face. Yeah. The other one ran off. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. So oh, he definitely ran off. I, allegedly, they probably punched him in the face. I don't know where he punched him. I know they got punched several times, and one of them ran. <laughs> okay. That's all I know. Okay. And they press charges? Yeah. Uh, criminal or civil? Criminal. Criminal charges. So they try to get him locked up over there. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, man. <laughs> Just picture this. We, we at downtown L.A. at the courthouse. Uh... I forgot what happened in court, but all of us were in court. We got Johnny Cochran. Pac got Johnny Cochran representing him. Oh, so yeah, she had Pac, Johnny Cochran. Johnny Cochran. <laughs> and then the fucking Hughes brothers come out, and we're all at the elevator. <laughs> we're all at the elevator. <laughs> and Pac started letting him have it. You bitch ass motherfuckers. What the? And Johnny's losing it. Like, Pac, you gotta calm down, man. You gotta calm down, man. You gotta calm down, man. man fuck these bitch ass motherfuckers. Niggas, thug life. You're gonna whip your ass again right here, right now. Oh, man. It's. it's yeah. 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 I mean, come on, man. Pac gave you y'all, y'all shot. Y'all blew up off of that. Off of Brendan's got a baby alone. Get a man his respect. It, you know, it wouldn't, that's all it would have took. And they wanted to act fly, so. Okay. So what happened in the courtroom? Um, I think uh, I think Pac lost, lost against him. He okay. lost that case. So Got an assault charge or some shit. Thanks okay. to the Hughes brothers. Fucked them in their movies. So did he get locked up over that or that was just a... Uh... I don't recall, man. Yo, it was a lot of that was a lot of time spent in court and uh, in jail. So I, I don't remember exactly how that one went down. I, but I do believe he lost, and he did time in L.A. County. But I think that was for gun charge. Yeah. again whoo man this has been a shitty Wednesday for me this King Known Uncensored playoff preview part 2 but um we're gonna start off with something different now as I played on in the intro yeah man got, got a message for y'all there is a documentary coming out on Tupac on April the 21st that is produced by Alan Hughes. Now, don't get me wrong. Alan Hughes is a great director. Of course, his brother Albert Hughes. Hughes brothers have produced a lot of classic movies, put a lot of black people on. I understand that. But I don't care if they got clearance from Tupac 
and his family to do this documentary. I would suggest that people do not check this shit out. You want to know why? I played it in the intro for y'all. The Hughes brothers sent Tupac to jail. Because, you know, this all started when they hired him for uh, Minister Society. You know, Tupac tried to get the Hughes brothers to add a certain element to the movie and they just completely disrespected Tupac. He disrespected, respected, they disrespected Tupac in front of, you know, Lorenz Tate, Jada Pinkett, uh, Tyron Turner. Like they were rude about how they handled things. And Tupac just left. Understandable. Then, you know, there was a song from the movie called The Trigger Has No Heart. Right? And, um... It was a Spice One record that was for the Minister Society soundtrack. And, you know, the director, Alan Hughes and his brother showed up to the video shoot to, of course, support. And all of a sudden... Tupac and his homies jump Alan Hughes while Albert ran. They not only decided to press charges, but Pac had to do, what, eight days in jail? Because, you know, after they jumped the Hughes brothers, Tupac went on Yo! MTV Raps and started boasting and bragging about it. But I understand why Tupac was unapologetic because I had to, you sent me to jail. And these are the very people that are responsible for this Dear Mama documentary. I mean, it's supposed to be mostly about a beanie. But still, it's fraudulent. It's wrong. It's like spitting in the face of Tupac and his mother. It's like spitting on both of their graves if you guys watch this. Like, I'm not watching it. There are plenty of pop documentaries out there that's legit. Like Thug Angel. They got one and two. Tupac Resurrection was legit. There's this uh, thing on YouTube called The Perimities of Gangsta Rap. It's a gangsta rap documentary that includes a lot of Tupac information in there. Do not watch Dear Mama, the documentary. Tupac hated these guys, despised these guys, and they didn't even squash the shit. So these niggas is the ops doing a documentary about Pac's mom. Weirdo shit. Do not check that documentary out. And I don't want to hear that shit about, oh man, how come you want to tear down a black man? You don't tear down the white man for making them documentary. Suck my dick. How about that? Let's move on. Udonis Haslam in his last regular season game had 24 points. Now, no disrespect to UD. I love Udonis. You know, they honored him at halftime. Bam. You know what I'm saying? Honored him with a rocking chair, which is hilarious to me. Like, he shot 9 of 17 from the field. Granted, it was against Orlando, but still. Y'all still not convinced that um that the uh, that the defense in this league is weak? You got Udonis Haslam, the 15th man on the Heat, scoring 24 points. Come on, man. And people swear I'm just shitting on this new generation of players, man. There's been 25 50-point games this season. Unacceptable. 
Oh man. The last uh, game of the regular season, there had seemed to have been a confrontation between Mason Plumley and Bones Highland. Seems like it was a lot of pushing and shoving on the bench. But you don't see the Clippers suspending Bones or Mason. That's why I feel like the Minnesota situation is kind of janky. Some funny business going on around here. Funny business. But however, that was a very weird confrontation between those two. And I think they were, they, nah, they wasn't former teammates in Denver. But they both used to play for Denver. Cam Thomas, in one of his final um, preseason games, scored 46 points. I'm telling you, my nigga Cam Thomas can play. Like, he could be easily the sixth man of the year every year. If given the right opportunities. Some people feel like he is a liability because of how he plays his game. But Cam Thomas is a guy that you could use if put in the right situation where he can dominate the ball. If he can dominate the ball and create opportunities off the bench, I think he could be very effective on a basketball team. Updates on Paul George. So Paul George is expected to be sidelined to begin the, the Los Angeles Clippers first round playoff series against the Phoenix Suns, but is making tangible progress from his March 21st knee injury. So it could be a possible opportunity for Paul George to get in to the Clippers and Suns series. If it were to go extra innings. I mean, honestly, I think the Clippers can handle themselves without him. And can just bring him back for the next round. Skip Bayless had an interesting quote about LeBron James. I know a lot of y'all, hey, hey, hey. If y'all are bronsexuals. And... Y'all sensitive about everything that's related to LeBron? Please fast forward now. Skip Bayless said that LeBron is taking all the credit for leading the Lakers to the playoffs when he missed 16 of their 24 final games. All credit is due to Rob Palenka and Anthony Davis for rejuvenating the Lakers. The bench has played well at times also. LeBron faked an injury that was supposed to sideline him for months. But seeing that the Lakers were doing better without him and decided that he wanted to play again. Such a great leader and role model. Man, LeBron James lives rent-free in Skip Bayless's head, y'all. Like, I agree with some of the things that Skip Bayless says about LeBron James, but sometimes he takes it a little bit too far. Like, from a logical standpoint, let's keep it logical. I already went over how, you know... You know, I got the screenshots. But it's very fucking interesting, I can tell you that, about how Anthony Davis, you know, helped this team. So, like I said before, February 9th, the Lakers were the 13th seed. February 26th, LeBron gets hurt. They go 8-5 without LeBron. Lo and behold, they 7th. 
And people are giving him all the credit, which is weird to me. When the Los Angeles Lakers are are at 500 with him in the lineup during the regular season. But we're 13 and 15 without him. But let's factor the games that AD played in. That's what you need to provide context. They were 11 and 9 when Anthony Davis started without LeBron in the lineup. Proof in fact that this group of players play better without LeBron on the floor. Because I noticed that they play better because when LeBron's out there, the game completely slows down. Once Braun goes to the bench, the pace picks up and it's a lot faster. You, you could have seen glimpses of this in the Minnesota game. I feel like if Braun didn't play, they would have put they would have beat the Timberwolves by 40. Instead of like five, six points. And it's not hate. I literally researched this information. You can calculate this shit yourself. Google is your friend and basketball reference is your friend, y'all. Rob Palinka did do a great job at the trade deadline. I felt like I kind of shortchanged him with a B- at the time because I wasn't sure about how Russell was going to fit alongside LeBron and the Lakers. But they did a good job. And Anthony Davis, you know, when, when he's on the floor, he's super reliable. He affects the game in so many ways. But I don't believe that LeBron James faked his injury, though. I believe the injury was real. He had been dealing with a foot injury for quite the longest time. And he got back just in time. Swiss Beats. Swiss Beats announced an EP with five tracks on it. And it's a very interesting cast of people on this project. Very interesting group of guys. So he has guest appearances from Lil Wayne, Nas, Jada, Benny the Butcher, Fibio Foreign, Lil Dirk, A Boogie with the Hoodie. It's going to be a very fun project. It comes out on April the 21st. Oh, man. Spencer Dinwiddie versus Kyle Kuzma. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. So Spencer Dinwiddie was on a podcast, I guess. Through FanDuel. Actually, um, it was on Run It Back. And he talked about Kyle Kuzma. So, this is the original tweet that started this mess between these two. Spencer Dinwiddie said that, originally said after the Mavs lost to the Wizards, for them it's a showcase. They're over there trying to get paid. Not trying to play winning basketball for a team that has real aspirations and has an MVP. Kyle Kuzma's response was, the funny thing is that they don't play winning basketball. We. Spencer Dinwiddie decided to respond. Dinwiddie says, if we look at Kyle Kuzma and how he approaches life and fame, You can see his priorities tend to vary. That's why he dresses the way that he does, the comments that he makes. 
You're probably not even a third star on a good team. Because if you were, the Lakers would have probably kept you. Although he felt like he was uh, throwing an uppercut, that was a light jab compared to this overhand right and the sneaky uppercut counterpunch that Kyle Kuzma threw back at Dinwiddie. Kyle Kuzma says, Okay, so since I'm so famous, let me give you all some clout. I'm usually unbothered, but things on the internet. But I will not allow this delusional guy to continue to talk about my teammates and I. Here's a thread. Insecurity is loud. The Wizards and I have so much real estate on Den Shitty Island. This guy got signed by a team, 60 M's, and was traded before the following season was over. Number two, what in the world have you won in this league? You've been bounced around like a basketball, my boy. Number three, you can thank KD and Kyrie for spearheading the 34 wins before the All-Star break. 11 and 13 after the break, four-year playoffs. Number four, second option, more like second point guard. My man, I watched you for two months at the end of your Wizards tenure being the second option. Average eight points, four rebounds, and four assists. Sound good, but I'm glad you're hooping now. Five, yes, I got a bag coming. Stop hating. And last but not least, the only way that you'll be ever worth your contract is if the NBA gives you your wish of being paid in crypto. Check the markets. Enjoy the clicks. Go Sixers. Wow, I need the LMA sound bite for this. Woo! I'm so excited! Yeah, man. I'm excited too, girl. Mm-mm. But I'm saying, though, that was wild as fuck, bro. Wow. Cools fucked him over. All right. We finally here. We got the predictions out the way and now we got tonight's games to talk about playoff preview part two we got some games 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 for you this is gonna be very interesting we had a couple of games played or whatnot Let's start it, man. We got the 2023 play-in. Ready to go. Locked and loaded. All guns loaded here. Let's start off with uh, the Hawks in the Heat on Tuesday. So, ladies and fucking gentlemen, I don't know why I won't show the scores. This is insane. What the fuck? Oh, boy. Now I got to go on the actual NBA site for accuracy here. Got to get accurate on this show because these dick suckers in my comments would give me the business and are looking for holes to poke in my arguments. So, let's get to this Monty as the Atlanta Hawks in shocking fashion give me an 0-1 start as they defeated the Miami Heat 116-105. to Let's look at these stats before I give you my overview. So we had Trey Young with a 25.8 rebound, 7 assist game. Clint Capella had four points, but guess what? He had 21 rebounds, y'all. And then look at the contribution. We had seven niggas in double figures. John Collins, 10 points. DeJounte Murray, 18 points. Bogdan Bogdanovich, 14 points. Sadiq Bey, 17 points. Onyeka Okungwu, 12 points. Jalen Johnson, 10 points and seven rebounds. 
Look at the Miami Heat. My God. Jimmy Butler, an abysmal 6 of 19, 21 points, 9 assists, though. Tyler Hero was the man for the Heat. And then the the X factor of this game was Kyle Lowry, as he had 33 points on 11 to 16 shooting, 6 of 9 from 3. He's all he's always been reliable in the postseason. Especially after, you know, once Kawhi Leonard came through the building, Kyle Lowry became Mr. Reliable all throughout the rest of his career. But the problem here was Bam. Bam disappeared. He only had 12 points. He was not aggressive at all, especially throughout the second half. Then, not to mention, of course, the shooting of Vincent and Struss. I mean, they combined for 3 of 13 from the field. And 3 of 14 from 3. No, 3 of 13 from 3. That's awful. You're not going to win many games shooting that awful. And Eric Spolstra got outcoached. I never thought I'd see the day that Eric Spolstra gets outcoached by Willem Dafoe, a.k.a. Quinn Snyder, a.k.a. the bad guy from the second Spider-Man. And the fact that Kevin Love only played three minutes and 27 seconds, the fact that Victor Oladipo, who was very stellar last year in their playoff run last year, only had one shot attempt and only played nine minutes and 14 seconds. I think it's Caleb Martin had 28 minutes and had no points. When those minutes could have been divvied up between Love and Oladipo. Looks like somebody got to fall out that rotation, Jaime. Because that's not a good look. This was piss poor coaching from Eric Spolstra. A guy who is knocking on the door of legendary status. As being a coach that consistently gets his team to the playoffs... And losing in a play-in game to where they have to get to an elimination game is unacceptable. Meanwhile, Ice Trey showed up. Last year, they lost to Miami in embarrassing fashion. And Trey Young had to overcome the heat to secure the seventh spot. Now! This sets the stage for a first-round matchup with the Boston Celtics, which we will get to later on here. But I just wanted to give an overview of the game as simply the Atlanta Hawks outplayed the Miami Heat. Eric Spolster got outcoached. And that pretty much tells the story. Next up, the most cartoonish game I've ever seen. What's the boy that uh, directs them Disney flicks? I always forget the, guy, uh, the guy's name, but fuck it. The Los Angeles Lakers defeated the Minnesota Timberwolves 108-102. to As the heroics of Dennis Schroeder led the Lakers to the victory. However, most of the game, Minnesota Timberwolves were in control. It was their game to lose. And just as a thought, Minnesota became Minnesota once that overtime happened. Because the stage was set for the Lakers to win this game. They had the final possession and they hit a big shot. All scripted for the Lakers to win. They want the Lakers to win, and they make it obvious by their many free throw attempts per game. These niggas are not getting fouled. They scripted this shit. We know this. But me personally, I felt like the Los Angeles Lakers should have won by more points than than um 
then um, six. This game ended up going to overtime on a crazy call in which Anthony Davis violated Mike Conley's airspace and Conley made all three free throws. Do I like the call? No. Despite the Lakers being my ops, I did not like the call. I do not like the call. Because Conley missed the three. And the game should have been over after that. But let's review these stats. Carl Anthony Towns, 24 points. The story of the Timberwolves was Anthony Edwards' 3 of 17 performance. This is the worst game that Anthony Edwards played as a pro basketball player. And he did not even clear double digits, y'all. I have been bigging up Anthony Edwards every year saying that he was an all-star. I mean, he might have been an all-star. But I see why they don't pick him now. Because in probably one of their biggest games of the season, he sold and left the homies all stuck. Mike Conley uh, shot 7-11 from the field, 6 of 8 from 3. 23 points. And also, you could just tell that the loss of Jaden McDaniels hurt this team. And I told you, this kid has to be the dumbest motherfucker in the whole NBA. Gotta be the dumbest nigga in NBA history for punching a wall. I told you that. So you got, um, what? Conley and Towns carrying. Meanwhile, on the Lakers side of things, LeBron James had 30 points on 12 of 21. We expect greatness from greats. Okay? We expect that every game. If LeBron shoots one of 18, I'm going to shit on him. Going to cock a dookie and the stanky stanky. Anthony Davis shot 10 of 19 at 24 points. We expect greatness from greats. Now, Dennis Schroeder came off the bench and scored 21 points. He was huge for them. He was low-key the hero for the Lakers at the end of the game, and he was solid. Great contribution from Schroeder. He was the star of the game. And this sets up a matchup of the Lakers and the Grizzlies. The Lakers advance to the playoffs and they have to face the Memphis Grizzlies. I'll give you my thoughts on that momentarily. Now let's move on to today's playing games. Man, this was a wild day. These were two good-ass games. I can't complain. I was entertained. The Chicago Bulls beat the uh, Toronto Raptors 109 to 105. Most of the game, the Toronto Raptors controlled the game and got energy from their home crowd. And it took until the fourth quarter for the Bulls to wake up and realize, oh shit, if we don't win this game, we get eliminated tonight. So we got to keep our playoff hopes alive. As shitty as the Bulls has been all season, Zach Levine finally decided to show up this season on the most important game of their season. He shot 12 of 22 from the field, had 39 points. And DeMar DeRozan had an excellent game as well. He scored 23 points. Nikola Vucevic had 14 points and 13 rebounds. So this is incredible. The Bulls mounted a comeback because they were shit dead in the water. But Toronto, 
Pascal Siakam, despite a 32.9 rebound, eight, uh, six assist game, lost. Scotty Barnes had 19 points and, and 10 rebounds. Fred Van Vliet had 26 points, 12 rebounds, and eight assists. Almost fucked around and got a triple double. But Siakam choked at the free throw line at the end of the game. They had a chance to tie the game, and Siakam caught a chest cold. He caught bronchitis. And the Bulls were smoking on that Siakam pack tonight. As the six turned into the zero. Just a sad way for the Toronto Raptors season to end in a bed of disappointment and sadness. Oh yeah, don't worry about that Land of the Eliminated show. That's coming up this week. We're going to talk about every team that has been eliminated very, very soon. And then one by one, you'll get a land of the eliminated. We bringing it back. We're going to get a whole show of this at some point this week. Um, today is Thursday. You might get that motherfucker on Saturday. Maybe. Friday or Saturday. If there's new music Fridays, then fuck it. We're going to attach it to that shit. But anyway... I think Nick Nurse should be fired. The winner, the loser of this game, they coach should be fired. Because they both been disappointing and ass. And underachieving. Man, heartbreak of the night. As the Oklahoma City Thunder have, um, my fears have been confirmed. The Oklahoma City Thunder defeat my New Orleans Pelicans and in my New Orleans Pelicans season 123 to 118 and I'm doing this with a heavy heart because man man that shit hurt it's a lot of pain in my heart homie pain because the Pelicans had them it was a back and forth your best shooters versus my best shooters the story of the night was Lou Dort and his 27 points on 8 of 14 shooting, 4 of 8 from 3. Lou Dort will never have another game like this in his life. But that was the uh, that was the strategy, to let him shoot. But the problem is, Shea Gilgis-Alexander still had 32 points. I would have did the complete opposite. I would have let Shea Gilgis-Alexander score 50 and shut everybody else down. But they couldn't shut nobody down. And that was a part of the problem with the OKC Thunder. Was lacking of the ability to shut the uh, Pelicans down. Jay Gill just had 32, but this, uh, another story was Josh Giddy almost getting a triple-double. 31 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. He was amped up. He was fired up. He was focused. Then, you know, Jalen Williams almost got a triple-double. He had 8 rebounds, 8 assists, and 8 points. He had some big shots for this team. Despite him shooting 1 of 7, So that was the story of as to why the uh, Thunder lost. Trey Murphy was six assists, 16, four of 10 from three, had 21 points. Brandon Ingram had 30 points. I mean, as he should, as he should. He hit a lot of big shots towards the end of the game, but missed the most important ones at the line. He blew the bag at the line. He kind of choked, but he made up for it towards the end with a miraculous 
contested three-pointer over Lou Dort, but the issue was, I think Ingram was fouled. That should have been a three-point and one. And the game would have been tied and went to overtime. Herb Jones had 20 points. But at the end of the game, he threw away the ball and pretty much sealed the deal for the Oklahoma City Thunder. CJ McCollum had 14 points, but here's the problem. Um, McCollum was not clutch. And I feel like, you know, they need to explore a trade and put better pieces around Brandon Ingram. Man, this nigga Zion Williamson was on the sideline doing dunk drills and alley-oop drills, but didn't get in the fucking game. Like, 10 points from Zion would have won this game. I mean, if you look at the gladiators of the past, you know what I'm saying? You know what Zion Williamson said that pissed me off uh, this, this week? He said that physically I'm healthy, but mentally I'm not there. Don't be another Ben Simmons. Don't do that weak-ass, pussy-ass shit. Get your big chitlin-eating, whole slab rib-eating ass up out here. But it's too late. He'll never have to get the fuck up out here again. I guess he could just recover in the offseason because, you know, up until his injury, Zion Williamson was a lead MVP candidate. And the Pelicans were a one seed at some point during the season. They got good contribution from uh, Jonas Valley and Shunis tonight. And Herb Jones, man, my heart goes out to Herb Jones. It's not your fault, kid. Don't sweat it. You'll be back next year with a much higher seed. So this eliminates the Hornets and the Oklahoma City Thunder will go ahead and uh, face the Timberwolves in the final play-in game. So let's start off with that. Who is going to win the final play-in game? Well, I'm going to take the Oklahoma City Thunder. This team is focused. This team is worthy of playing for the eighth seed. And I feel like the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be shell-shocked from the last game. I don't think that Anthony Edwards is going to shoot 3 of 17 again. I think he'll be more efficient. I think he'll be better. I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to pull off his magical disappearing act. But anyway, right? I feel like Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy are going to be too much for... Um, For Cat and um, Anthony Edwards to handle, in my opinion, I think OKC is young, hungry, and honestly, they would give the Denver Nuggets some problems in a seven-game series. So I'm taking the OKC Thunder over the Timberwolves. Next up, you got the Chicago Bulls versus the Miami Heat, and... I'm looking for the Miami Heat to beat the shit out of the Bulls so that the Heat can face the Bucks in a first round shit fest. I do not think that, you know, speaking of DeMar DeRozan, right? There was a hero in the Raptors-Bulls game, and that was uh, DeMar DeRozan's daughter, DR. DR was screaming loud as possible. The crowd got quiet, and DR DeRozan was screaming. 
so that the uh, Raptors can miss free throws. And mind you, they shot 15 of 30 from the line. So that was the unlikely hero of the Bulls-Raptors game. But I'm going to take the Miami Heat against the Bulls. DR DeRozan will not be a factor in this game, homie. I just feel like Spolstra can out-coach Billy Donovan. And the Bulls just, I don't know, they just don't do it for me. I'll take an experienced Miami team over the Bulls here. Now, let's give another playoff preview. Lakers versus Grizzlies. Now, I do think that this will be a seven-game series. I think Ja is going to uh, use his home court to win this series. I feel like Ja Morant's going to be the best player in that series. I do believe Desmond Bain is going to be solid. I believe that Dylan Brooks is going to slow LeBron James down, not shut him down, but slow him down. Turn 30 points of LeBron's to 23, 24. AD is going to be a tough cover for even the shot blocking uh, lead in the league. I'm going to say that LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to play well. It's just those role players. Are they going to be successful or not? I'm going to say the Memphis Grizzlies in seven games. The Grizzlies have the same depth as the Lakers. A lot of people view the Lakers' depth as more and better. But you got to realize, this is a lottery team. This Memphis team has been together longer. But I feel like Memphis is going to fuck off a couple of games. They always do stupid shit. And always want to bark and talk shit. right? I feel like it's going to be close. It's going to be a really good series, but I'm taking the Grizz in seven. Now let's move on to the last playoff preview. That would be the uh, Hawks and the Celtics. Um, This is going to be a very short series, y'all. Going to be real short. I hope the Atlanta Hawks enjoyed themselves. I hope they have some fun. But fun's going to come to an end. You got Jalen Brown coming back from an injury, a hand injury. You got Jason Tatum. Who's going to put up 30 easily. Brown and Tatum are both going to put up 30. are just going to be too much. There's nobody on Atlanta that could guard Brown or Tatum. Now, keeping Capella off the boards is going to be a bitch. It's going to be a lot more offensive possessions. My question for the Celtics is, is Robert Williams healthy? Because we ain't seen, seen too much of the kid. The kid has the ability to be a starting center. 
But more than likely, it's going to be Horford and Williams together with Brown, Tatum, and Smart. Not to mention, hey, Atlanta's bench is kind of tough. Atlanta's bench, you know, Sadiq Bey, Bogdanovich, Okungwu, Jalen Johnson. It's a solid-ass bench if you ask me. But however, I'm going to uh, be that guy and take the Boston Celtics in five games over the Atlanta Hawks. I think this is just a certified bad matchup because the Celtics can defend well and Malcolm Brogdon's going to have a field day off the bench. Not to mention the Boston Celtics' other depth as well. With Mike Muscala, with Blake Griffin, with Peyton Pritchard, with, you know. With Grant Williams, you can't forget about the captain of the team. So, yeah, I don't think the Hawks are going to last that long. I think it's going to be a little bit of the same thing as as of last year. The bigger question will be, will the Hawks even keep Trey Young next season? Because there's been a lot of trade rumors. All right, that is my show. That is my show. Thank you for checking me out. Fucking with me and shit. This is King Known Uncensored Playoff Preview Part 2, and I'm gone.